our eyes afresh. Would you open our hearts afresh that what we hear might go deeper. Father, we thank you that we have your word. And we ask that you come now and would minister further to us. And in the powerful name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. We are just going to open up uh, the Bible together. And this morning's reading is taken from the book of Acts. It's in chapter 28. I really want to say 28, Uh, (laughs) but 28. And um, the verses that we are reading from will be from 28 on to verse 31. So that's Acts chapter 28, from 28 onwards, very end. Therefore, I want you to know that God's salvation has been sent to the Gentiles and that they will listen. For two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him. He proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. I'm just going to invite him up here and we'll just pray for him as he leads us. Father, we thank you for your word and we pray now that you will fill him with your Holy Spirit. God, we pray that you will anoint his words afresh, that you will keep him open to you throughout and that the words that he is to share will be shared with boldness and without hindrance. Mm. Father, we pray that um, what he says will be pleasing to you and that we will have hearts to hear. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Okay, so let's continue with our series today. And as we begin, I wonder, what is your favorite film? You don't have to shout it out, but I'm sure many of us have got films that have really impacted us, connected, that we love, watched time and time again. My favorite film, you can ask me afterwards what it is, but the interesting thing about my favorite film, because I'll set it up for you, you can see if you can guess, film buffs. It's regarded as having one of the greatest endings of any film of all time. It truly is a breathtaking ending. And I remember in 1995, sat in the cinema as a young, sprightly 18-year-old, just tell her what I am now, seeing the ending of this film and with the credits rolling up, shivers down my spine because I had never been in a film or seen a film where such a twist happened that it turned everything upside down. Chances are your favorite film had a pretty good ending too. Whether that ending just particularly seemed to fit or was particularly powerful emotionally or was a great twist, whatever, endings are really important. And if you're anything like me, I love films. Time and time again, you watch a film and then you get to the ending and it's a disappointment. As a result, the film is not so great in your mind. The ending is so important, isn't it, in a film? 
But I wonder, if you were making a film of your life, how would you end it? If you were the script writer of your life, how would you want to pen the ending? How would your life pan out from this day forwards? One thing is for sure, I would guess most of us, if we could plan the ending like that, things would be different to how they are now. Now for some of us, that might be in very small ways. There are just things that we still want to do, or places we want to visit, or things we want to get, or whatever it may be that we just love to do before we die. And so therefore those things would be different. But for others, if we're able to rewrite the ending of our lives, the film of it, there would be some things that are pretty different. Some circumstances that are in our lives right now that we wish changed. For many of us, the achievements that are still undone that we long to achieve. For some of us, the relationships we're in, we long for them to look different, to improve those relationships. For some of us, if we could write the ending of the film of our lives, we'd love the impact our lives made to be far greater than we think they are now. For others of us, our family situation might look very different. Our health might look very different. The influence that we've had with our lives, if we could pen it out, would look very different. Well, today, we do continue this series called Dangerous Faith, where we see the journey the earliest Christians go on as the church is born uh, and today we're going to the end of the book of Acts, which is, if you like, the ending of the story. But of course, it's just the beginning. But if we're honest, the ending of the book of Acts is not how we would have written it. And so I think there's an immense help for us as we go through this, that for those of us for whom we would like to write the end of our lives different to how things are now, we will see some very, very powerful reminders in here that God may be doing something in your life right now, may be doing something through your life right now, may still have plans for your life that you cannot yet see, but that are far more profound than you would ever imagine. Let me explain. We're going to race through the book of Acts. So right at the beginning, we have this moment where Jesus, who's died and come back to life, if you like, passes the baton on to his disciples. He says these words, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. What a great beginning. And so as the film unfolds, we want to see how this happens. Jesus has made a promise. You will receive power and you will be my witnesses. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, ends of the earth. Let's see how it happens. Pentecost happens. It all goes crazy. All kicks off. People start speaking out in different languages. And then we get to this amazing bit, chapter six. So six chapters in, we read these words. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples where? In Jerusalem, increased rapidly. And a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. The script writer is on cue. 
Jesus' words about the message going out to Jerusalem is happening by chapter six. Brilliant. This film is one to watch. Great, it's all working out. Then we get to chapter eight. And it all kicks off and you'll know the stoning of Stephen and all around that. And on that day, a great persecution broke out against the church where in Jerusalem. And all except the apostles did what? Were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. They wouldn't necessarily have gone there themselves, but circumstances that no doubt they didn't want forced them to go beyond their comfort zone. And what did they do when they went to Judea and Samaria? Those who'd been scattered preach the word wherever they want. Jesus' words are coming true. You'll be my witnesses in where? Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria. Not because they chose to, but because circumstances made it happen. Great, scriptwriters on cue, fantastic. Then we get to chapter 13. So after this, we see people in Judea and Samaria becoming followers of Christ, great. And then we have this word of prophecy for Barnabas and Saul to send them out, where God says, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. What's that work? Well, the two of them sent on their way by the Holy Spirit, went down to Seleucia, sailed from there to Cyprus. And when they arrived at Salamis, what did they do? They proclaimed the word of God. So it spread from Jerusalem to Judea and Samaria, still amongst the Jews. But now it's beginning to go to Gentile areas like Cyprus. Wow. Scriptwriters on cue. Great. And so then we get to this heading towards the end. And if you've got your Bibles, you'll see a heading that looks something like this. Paul arrives at Rome. And of course, we all know where do all roads lead? To Rome, which presumably means all roads lead away from Rome too. Because of course, the global empire of the day was Rome, which therefore meant if you want to go to the ends of the earth, where do you start? Rome. Because if you can influence Rome from Rome, the whole world is impacted. The script writer's on cue. This is where we're going, guys. Brilliant. And then we get to the ending. And it's not quite how I'd write it. Because you want to know, how is it going to end? He's in Rome. Is he going to come face to face with Caesar? And Caesar's going to bow the knee and repent and become a follower of Jesus. And from then, the whole world's going to go crazy. Is that how it's going to work out? Or is there going to be a great battle in which Paul wrestles and they're so, he's so persecuted that therefore last they suddenly realize how good Jesus is. That's the story we'd end. That's the story Disney's would tell. This is how Luke writes the ending of Acts. For two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him. He's there in a rented house under house arrest with a guard chained to him. That's not the script I'd write. And many of us know that the script of our own lives is not the one we would write for our own lives if we had a choice. Because God's plans might look quite different to our plans. I guess for many of us, there are circumstances that we're in now we would never have planned and we wish, frankly, were different. For some of us, like Paul, we feel trapped where we are. And we haven't achieved what we thought we might. 
Or we're not in a place that we thought we would be. Even our peers are there and we're not. Or, or, or our faith has somewhat ebbed and dipped a little bit and we're not quite as passionate about Christ as we once were. Or just simply life and health and what it means to be a human is burdening us so much that actually we're not where we thought we might be. Paul knows what it's like to be in a place of circumstances that are different to how you might plan it. But then listen to what Paul says about his circumstances. Because whilst he was in Rome, he was busy. One of the things he did is he wrote half the New Testament. And one of the letters he wrote is the book of Philippians. Listen to what he says. Whilst under house arrest in a rented home, he says this. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what's happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it's become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I'm in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. Sometimes God has you just where he wants you to be, even if we don't like it. And sometimes God is doing something through you, even in circumstances that are not good. And as I was preparing this, I sensed that for maybe one or two people here, your life is not how you thought it would be. And you've begun to wonder whether God has forgotten you, whether his quotes left you on the shelf, or whether he's chosen somebody else to fulfill his purposes, or whether he knows you can't be trusted and so therefore sort of moved on a little bit to somebody else who can do greater things. There's a huge encouragement this morning that wherever you are, whether they are circumstances you would choose or not, God has got you and is at work in you and can work through you in ways you cannot yet see. Because I think from this, there are three things that we need to rewrite the script. Three ways we need to look again at our lives and the, the rest of our lives from this day forwards to rewrite what the future might be. And here it is. Here's the first one. If we rewrite the script, we need to rewrite the script to expect opposition in our lives. If you're anything like me, I've been hanging around a church quite a long while. And although we wouldn't necessarily believe this, we kind of presume that if people are following Christ faithfully, everything's going to be sweet. And therefore, when opposition comes, <laughs> yeah, we know it's kind of part of the deal, but mm, if we just pray, maybe God will take it away. Listen to verse 24 of Acts chapter 28. As Paul is preaching, some were convinced by what he said, but others would not believe. It always has been the case. Some people do believe, some people don't, and it always will be the case. There are people in our lives right now that if we're followers of Christ, we may have an opportunity to speak of for whom when they hear that, they will not want anything to do with it. We should expect opposition. We need to rewrite that, frame it right in our minds. Let me illustrate this. Because I wonder if you're anything like me, if you're a follower of Christ, you've grown to expect comfort 
is the way. Let me illustrate it. A while ago, I was reading this verse in 2 Corinthians, where Paul says these words, Thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. That's the sort of verse we have on our fridges. That's a great verse. Triumphal procession, yeah. And the knowledge of fragrance of him being spread everywhere. Doesn't matter how you smell, you can just shine for Jesus. That's the sort of verse that we love. And we expect it to be a bit like this. The triumphal procession looks a bit like this in our heads. You know, the Roman armies coming back and you yeah, loads of people adoring them and ticker tape and everything. Yeah! Or a modern day equivalent is this. I put that simply because 2005 for a Liverpool fan is a long time. This afternoon, who knows. Do we expect it to be that? That's triumphal procession, isn't it? And if we're following Jesus faithfully, that's what we should get, yeah? That's victory. But in reality, in the ancient world, the triumphal procession probably looked a little bit more like this. Let me read what one author says. When we read Paul's description of a triumphal procession, we most likely picture the championship team enjoying a ticker tape picture, enjoying a ticker tape parade, or soldiers being cheered as they return home from overseas duty. Paul's readers in the Roman world would have had a very different mental image in their mind. A triumphal procession was an act of imperialistic propaganda. When a general or a Caesar had triumphed over a foreign people, they would pillage their cultural treasures and enslave their people, bringing them back to Rome in a parade of victory. At the head of the parade, the general or the Caesar would stand in a chariot covered in royal purple to be fated by the crowd, hailing him as the king of the people they'd just defeated. In Jesus' death upon the cross, we see an inverted triumphal procession Jesus is paraded by Roman soldiers and given a crown and a purple royal robe. And just as the Roman triumph, a representative of the vanquished peoples, offered as a human sacrifice, so too is Jesus. And of course, who's the person who grasps this? A Roman centurion who recognizes not Caesar, but recognizes Jesus as a different kind of king. In other words, maybe, just maybe, we need to be prepared that following Christ faithfully in the light of his resurrection leads to victory ultimately, yes. But we also follow a savior who went to the cross. And therefore we should expect to face opposition. Jesus did. <laughs> Paul did, which is why when we see that, we then begin to see that makes Jesus look amazing, not us. So we expect to see opposition, but we should rewrite it to also expect to see fruit, to see belief. Verse 28, Nikki read it to us, therefore I want you to know that God's salvation has been sent to the Gentiles and they will listen. There are some people who will hear the message of Jesus and respond, which is great. A few months ago I was back at the church I grew up in. 
Uh, it was their anniversary service. It was brilliant to be there. Uh, and what was really exciting for me in amongst seeing some old friends and so on was that there was a guy who was, you know, they shared lots of things about what's happened over the years. And this guy was an old school friend of mine. And he's now one of the leaders of this church. And he was sharing the story of the church, but also his own story. And he was sharing how the first time he'd ever stood foot in that church building was when a young, sprightly 15-year-old named Tim Chilvers had invited him as a mate at school to his baptism, which I did. He came along, thought it was a bit weird. But then three years later, he was at university and met a girl who just so happened to be a Christian, who invited him to a Christian union. And then he'd remembered that church meeting that he'd been back in and began to ask a few questions himself. And they became a follower of Jesus at university and then came back after university, got involved in the local church that he only knew of and then grew and then led and now is part of the leadership there. And what was encouraging to me is that there are people in our lives that even just a word or an invitation may have a lasting impact in their story years beyond us. Years beyond us. And so things like this event, there may be people, there might just be somebody in your sphere for whom this will be a key moment in their story. Or the Alpha course or whatever it may be. And so we expect opposition. Some would say, no thanks, not interested, no. But some might, might. So we rewrite the script to remember that, but we also rewrite the script, secondly, to see our circumstances differently. Those imperfect circumstances where we wonder if God's forgotten us, where we might feel trapped and want to be set free. Listen again to what Paul says in Philippians. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. Paul was open to being used God even in the circumstances that he would not have chosen. Which is why the very last words of the book of Acts are this. For two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house, welcomed all who came to see him, and he proclaimed the kingdom of God, taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. Even though he is hindered, he's chained. He still uses those circumstances and says, well, I'm still going to get on at it. And I guess for some of us, there's a huge encouragement there that we wonder what difference can I make because my health is so weak. I feel so ashamed. I just feel exhausted. Or, or, or my marriage isn't great and so how on earth can I make an impact? Or I've just got too many questions myself. How on earth can God use me? Or, or you don't know this baggage in my life, Tim. I, God can't use me. The encouragement is this. We're part of God's story. The story's not about you. This story, this film is not really about you. Rewrite it so that we see our life in his story rather than try and change our story. I love this quote from Eugene Peterson. Feelings are notorious liars, especially in matters of faith.
there may be someone here for whom your circumstances, God is doing something beautiful in them, even if they are pain-filled circumstances that you may not see. I don't know if you saw the news in the last couple of days about this man. This man is an Indian guy called Yalahanda Nayak. It's a beautiful story. He lives in uh, eastern Indian state of Orissa, a long way from a long, you know, middle of nowhere. Uh, and they live six miles from the school where his boys go to school. Three boys. And it's six miles, but it's also six miles through the mountains. And so what Yalahanda Nayak over the last two years has done is breathtaking. Single-handedly, using just a pickaxe and a crowbar, he has made a road through the mountains for his boys. Working eight hours a day, every day for two years, he has navigated a path so that his boys can go to school safely and have an education that he never had. That's a loving father, isn't it? That's a father who sees the need of his children and makes a way through for it. How much greater then to know the God of the universe, our heavenly father, who not just made a path, but gave up everything for you so that eternity might be guaranteed. We can therefore trust him if he loves us that much with those circumstances that may be far from what we wished. That even there, the Father who loves you has got you and is at work in you and through you. He hasn't abandoned you. So that's the second way we rewrite our script. And the third way is this. Rewrite the script in our heads about the rest of our lives to simply be open to God for him to be at work in your life. Do you remember who this story is all about? You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, ends of the earth. This book is sometimes called the Acts of the Apostles. It's not really. It's the Acts of the Holy Spirit through his people. This is what God is doing. Paul proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance, even whilst locked up in a rented house next to a guard. Simply by welcoming all who came to see him, literally his door was open to whoever wanted to know. His door was always open because his heart was open to what God wanted to do through him. Friends, we're simply called to be open to what God might want to do in us and through us wherever we are, whatever our circumstances are, whether they be ones we choose or not. Let God write the script in your life by simply saying, God, I'm here for you. Use me. The faithful life is an available life, not a successful life. As we come to a close, I was reading the genealogies the other day. 
know, at the beginning of the book of Matthew, there's this big long list of whose son was so and so and so and so, and they all go back to Jesus. What's fascinating is we, we all want to be the names we've heard of. We want to be the Davids or the Abrahams, yes. But we forget the Rams and the Salmons in those lists, who presumably just faithfully shared with their next generation. And there may be someone here, the impact you can have, whether it's your own children or the people around you, you may never see the impact, but in generations to come, because you were simply faithful in being open to what God was calling you to in your circumstances, you might just change the world. Shall we pray together? Let's pray. We're going to respond together, and what we're going to do is, I'm going to ask us to be a brave. I'm going to ask, in a moment, we're going to pray that God would fill us with his spirit. But it might be that there are one or two or a few people for whom you know this has resonated on a kind of deeper level. That you today want to say, yes, God, please, I give you the rest of my life. Please fill me with your spirit, whatever that looks like. It may be that you are in circumstances that you know you would never have chosen. But today, as an act of response, you want to say, Lord, fill me again. I give you the rest of my life. And in a moment, I'm simply going to ask you to stand. As it were, uh, symbolizing to God, I'm here for you now. Come what may. So if that's you, if you today want to mark this moment and simply want to say, Lord, I give you the rest of my life. Please come, fill me, use me. Help me to see things differently, to see them as you see. Can I invite you to stand? Please stand. find it helpful to hold open your hands as a way of sort of saying to God I'm here for you Holy Spirit would you come now and fill us we pray come Lord and use us change us we're here for you give you these circumstances Lord even in them I'm open to you feature on your radar at all and today something's kind of connected a little bit and you simply want to say Jesus I don't I've got so many questions but 
I want to begin a journey with you. If that's you, you may like to hold open your hands as well and just say, God, come, fill me. Lord, we thank you that you are a loving Father who has made a way, seeing our need and leading us forwards. Father, we give you the rest of our lives. Write the script how you want to write it, Lord. So that the name of Jesus may be heard loud and clear in our lives, we pray. Thank you, Lord. Amen. We're going to respond together. The band are going to lead us.